morning, and first I want to give honor to Pastor and Bishop. Uh, I came about 25 and a half years ago, and I'm grateful, very, very grateful. They've been great leadership in my life, great encouragement, um, and to be given an opportunity to stand in this place and give the Word of God means a lot to me. I stand on a platform with a lot of great, great guys, but great ministry. And Sundays and Tuesday nights, as you all know, we all walk up and down this place, and there's such a great feeling of camaraderie, and I find myself every time, Brother Brock, thanking God for every one of you. I don't know how many times now I've heard one of you step to this pulpit and give a word and I've left encouraged and I've left proud to be known among all of you and so I give all of you honor today and I want to thank my wife for staying with me for 25 and a half years she's an angel she really is and uh, you can be seated this morning I'm going to sing to get rid of some jitters here I want to sing an old, old song, and when I say it's my desire, I really mean it's my desire to, to live for Jesus, amen? scratch it. I'm going to sing something else. I'm going to sing something else. That, you know, that could be one of the worst things that happened today. Hallelujah. <clears throat> um, if you want to know where I'm going, where I'm going, Oh, soon, if you want to know 
Where I'm going, where I'm going, oh, soon. I'm going up yonder, oh, I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord, oh, If you want to know where I'm going, where I'm going soon, oh, if you want to know where I'm going, oh, where I'm going soon, oh, There's a comfort in knowing I'll soon be gone. As God gives me grace, I know I'm gonna run this race. Oh, until I see my Savior face to face. So tell him for me. Can we worship him today? I can't wait for the promise. He said one day he was going to prepare a place for me, and where he is, I am going to that place. Amen. If I wanted to get rid of jitters, I just made them worse. But thank you all for worshiping with me, and thank you, Brother McAllister, for finding the key of Z. Must have been D. It was D. See, I sing in D's. Worst, worst key in the world to play in, apparently. 
unless it's blues, apparently. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 28 through 32. This passage of Scripture uh, is towards the end of a chapter that is portrayed in our Messiah play. And many miracles are performed by Jesus. And after doing so many, he gets into a boat and goes across the Sea of Galilee. Apparently, Jesus must have been tired from his day because he began to sleep. And a tempest arose and the disciples were very afraid. And he slept. And he tells them just before this passage of scripture that I'm going to read, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. And being that he was God, I think he knew that when he stepped onto the shores of the other side of the Sea of Galilee, that he was going to meet these men that I'm going to read about. Starting in verse 28 of chapter 8 of Matthew, and when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Georgesans, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? There was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and vanished, uh, perished in the waters. Brother Jeremy Brock, would you pray this morning? Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak to you for a little bit on when Jesus comes to visit. I remember as a child, I lived for about seven years in the state of Oregon and didn't have any family there, although the Pearson family, which the Bradfords are an extension of, were there, and we got to spend quite a bit of time with them, but family didn't come to Oregon all that often, and we didn't come back to California all that often. I guess finances didn't permit. But I remember on a few occasions there were visits from family. One of those visits were my uncle and aunt that sit here today, and they brought their children with them, and they were good times. And another was my uncle Bill and Aunt Diane, and they brought their kids with them. And it was great times to spend time with our cousins that we rarely got to see the visiting, the visitation of a family member to show up. And I remember more than just the good times was the time that it was to say goodbye. And as just a child, I remember I was probably 10 or 11 years old and family members came. And I remember as they pulled away, there was a sinking, just bottomless feeling in my gut that said, you know what, they're leaving and I don't know when I'm going to see them again. And I was just old enough to understand what loneliness meant, I think. I had friends, I had 
schoolmates. I had all those kind of things. But there was something about family that when they showed up, it was special. And I enjoyed those times. And, and I remember feeling, as I got older, I guess I, I recognized it as almost a depression because my family had left. My cousins had left. We'd spent time riding bikes and skateboards and throwing rocks and doing whatever young kids do. And just those moments of visiting meant so very much. And as I get older, I recognize that I can sit for hours and talk to family members, and that, that makes me happy. I don't have to go do a whole lot. I don't have to spend a lot of money. Just being with family makes me happy. And so against this backdrop and understanding those moments, I want to talk about when Jesus comes to visit. If I look in Scripture, I find many times that Jesus shows up on the scene and he begins to visit with individuals. And if you look in Luke chapter 19, you see that Jesus, the scripture says that he entered and passed through Jericho. You don't see that he passes through Jericho very often. In fact, it looks like maybe one time that he passed through Jericho. Don't know that that's the only time he ever did, but we don't see a whole lot of that. And so Bible says in first verse of Luke chapter 19, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he comes into an area and there are people thronging him. Everywhere he went, there were many people there. And Zacchaeus hears that he is in the area and he said, I have to go. I don't think that it's just coincidence that he shows up on the scene and being a, a short man. I understand the idea of being short and not being able to be seen. I'm the guy that stands on his tippy toes in pictures so I don't look like I'm the shortest. I saw a picture this week on social media and a man standing next to his wife. She's got heels on. And I, I looked and his shoes were creased. And he was standing as tall as he could so he wouldn't want to be shorter than his wife. So I understand what that's all about. And Zacchaeus is saying, I want to see Jesus, but I don't want to just see Jesus. I've got to get a full vision of who he is. And he shows up on the scene and he's like, I'm going to climb a tree. I'm, I am almost 100% sure that if had he not climbed a tree, he still would have been seen by the master. Because Jesus was all-knowing, he was all-God, and when he walked among this place, he understood that there were some that wanted to be visited by him. There were some that wanted to be seen by him. There were some that came with a need, and they wanted to see Jesus. That was the focus. That was everything that they wanted at that moment was to go to a place where Jesus was and say, I know he can heal, and I know that he can Take away all of the bad things in my life. I know that he can do so much for me. And so my idea today is to get to a place where Jesus can visit with me. And so Jesus came to this place and he looked up into a tree and he visited a man. 
and a man was forgiven. That's what scripture tells me. We talk about Jairus in the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 49. While he yet spake, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And this is portrayed so greatly because he comes to the house and there are those that are sitting around and they're grieving. And in those times, they would actually hire mourners to show up and they would put on a good show. They would cry and on and there was so much junk going on and he walks up into the middle of this, so much unbelief, so much doubt, so much so much of, of people saying, you know what, look at her, she's not breathing anymore. Look at her, she's dead, she's gone. Look at her, there's no hope in this situation. And Jesus walks in and he goes, I'm going to need all of you to leave. You have to understand something. I came to visit today and I can't do anything with unbelief in the house. I came to make a, a house call today and I can't do anything with you crying around and complaining about what you think the situation is. The perspective that you are looking at it has no to do with who I am and what my ability is. <clears throat> he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And I tell you today, sometimes we look at our situation and we come to an altar and we say, God, this situation's dead. There's nothing can be done. I've been in that situation before, and I, I, I began to tell God, you know what, I don't think there's any way out of this, and God stays silent. You ever had that happen, guys? God stays silent. I'm like, God, I need some encouragement right now. He goes, <laughs> I'm like, okay, wait a second. I, I believe I just talked to you, and you're not responding to me. And all of a sudden, I remember something out of Scripture, and I, I understand that God's saying, I can't do anything with you still talking all that negative garbage. Weep not. I'm going to tell you something. This situation's not dead. What you thought was dead, what you thought was, was worthless, what you thought was going nowhere, I can do something just by a snap of my finger. I can look at that situation and say, arise, and she will be made whole. Arise, and this situation will be completely different than it was three seconds ago. And so he said, made arise, and her spirit came again, and she rose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. Another situation where he walked into a house, he visited and there was life given where only death was seen. So thankful for a God that comes to visit. John chapter 11, you know the story. Mary and Martha have called for Jesus, and Jesus is going about his, his day. There are miracles to be performed, and he's sent word, and you must come because Lazarus is he's sick. And Jesus keeps going on about it. And the disciples said, Jesus, did, you, you heard what they said, right? I mean, you understand that, that Lazarus is sick. You need to go. You, there's, there's a special bond between Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were, Jesus would go to visit their house fairly often. And he went on about his day. And he went on about the next day. And they said, Jesus, you have to understand, you were asked to go to see Lazarus. And he's sick, surely you need to go. Surely there must be something you can do. And he says, it's not my time yet. I, there, there's got some other things have to tr uh, transpire before I go. 
And the scripture tells us that when he goes, that Lazarus has been dead and in a tomb. And Jesus steps before that tomb. And I can't help it. I'm, I was raised in the 80s. Every time I think about Lazarus, I think about Carmen and Lazarus. Come forth. There's something about that scripture that says when he stepped into a tomb area and he called a name, I believe that all power was given to him. And if he would have just said come forth, they would have been inundated with bodies just coming out like this with the wrapping still on. He had to call him by name. And can I tell you, when he visited Lazarus's tomb and he began to weep, it was not because he wept that he loved the man so much, and I believe that he did, but he wept because people could not believe that when I step onto the scene, I can do anything. The Bible says he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, and when I come to the house of God, I want a visitation with the master. When I come to the house of God, I want to do more than just stand and sing three songs and come down and say, oh, thank you, God, for the time that we had and walk out and go eat with somebody. There's something got to transpire in the spirit for myself before I go out of this world again. Go about my week. I've got to know that I visited with the master. I think what so bothers me so much, and yet... One of the most beautiful things that I have recognized about family prayer because of this story in the Bible where Mary and Martha have Jesus come by and Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. There is no space for anything else but Jesus. And Martha's busy. She's making sure everything's right in the kitchen. and She went back to the table and made sure it was set right. She had thrown some clothes in the dryer and they needed to be folded and she was upset and she was scrambling and, and frustrated and she comes out and says, don't you understand? Mary should be doing more than just sitting at your feet. There needs to be some action on her part. And somebody was preaching about this recently and all of a sudden it's like God said, that's why it's so important to come to family prayer. Because when you look, pastor, bishop, Ministry, we're all at the feet of Jesus. Everybody shows up, we're just all at the feet of Jesus. It's not about serving anybody. It's not about anything. It's about visitation with Jesus. So when I come on a Tuesday, the first, or first Thursday of the month, and I, I sit wherever. I like to sit over here sometimes and pray right here where Brother Eccles used to pray. And I sit at his feet and we have holy visitation. Why? Because I've got to get a hold of the master. I've got to understand that there's more to this thing than just me serving all of the time. I ask you today, what do you need from the Lord? Are you sick? I know a God that can heal. All he's got to do is just show up on the scene. Are you brokenhearted? He can put your life back together. Are you confused? He can bring clarity in the spirit today. Are you a prodigal? He can restore you. I said, if you're a prodigal, he can restore you. Are you lonely? He can be the friend that sticketh closer than any brother. Are you depressed? He can bring joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Whatever you need in the house today, God can handle. He's in the business of fixing things, whether it be physical or spiritual. I'm not going to mention any names, but they'll probably recognize this story. 
And I'm going to tell you something. It came at a place. I was unemployed for roughly three years. What I did get was on the side, and it would it would uh, sustain us for a little bit, and we got a little bit of unemployment. I remember sitting over here one night, and my wife and I had come, and by faith, there was going to be enough gas in the tank to get back home. Somebody met me in the lobby and handed me a card. I didn't think much about it, but she told me my husband wanted me to give this to you. I'm talking about something that I needed physically. This is not this was not something that was spiritual to me at the moment. This was very physical. This was something that I really needed. And I opened the card and there were $200 worth of 20s in there. I was like winning the lottery. I went to this young man and I handed a card back to him and he said, no, don't steal my blessing. I said, it's just a thank you. By faith, I did what I what I thought I needed to do. I go, go to the house of God. By faith, I kept believing that it's all going to work out. It, God's not going to leave me stranded somewhere. I'm going to have food to eat. I'm going to have gas in my tank to make it to the house of God. And so he fixes the physical things in our life. But, oh, what can he do in the spiritual when we come to the house of God and we're so broken, we're so so scattered, and we walk into a place like we have here, and we come down to an altar sometimes. And I, There have been times I've walked in, and spiritually I was just drained. And, and, and I walk into the, uh, the, the prayer room one night when we were still praying back here, and I remember reaching out to God, and I was so, so broken. And all I could do was cry and moan. All I could do was make a bunch of crazy noises. And I remember opening my Bible and reading a psalm. And in that psalm, it felt like there was a medic salve that was put on my heart. Oh, my spirit was restored. My spirit was renewed, and I began to weep. All because I went and had a visitation with the master. We go back to the text today. Jesus shows up on the scene with two men. At some point probably normal human beings. Probably everything was okay. They had been possessed by devils and were stuck out on the tombs. People thought it was only right to put them in a place where nobody really wanted to go. Get them out of the way and they held no value to anybody. And I think what had to transpire in the lives of these two men. They were in the predicament they were in. Nobody wanted to be around them. They were wild. They would break the chains and they would run screaming, acting crazy. <clears throat> Didn't, couldn't put a normal thought into the mind. It couldn't make any sense whatsoever. And when Jesus shows up, these devils that had gone into them understood, if he's here, we can't stay here. <clears throat> and the devils within them begin to say, <laughs> you can't come over here. Um, we're going to have a problem here. And so when he began to cast them out, the very, <laughs> you read this and, and it's amazing because I read where 
Not a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't attend to them. I read where he says, consider the lilies. I read all of that, but not always do I understand just how much he cares for me and my predicament. I don't always understand that he really does care about Martin Fields and he really does care about Brian Gregg. It's not just something that we say up here. He really does care. And the devils ask one thing. They ask for a favor. Don't just cast us out, but cast us into those swine over there. And God himself, who had come in flesh, said, okay, you got, you got your wish. The devils ask a favor, Brother Nate. How many times do I come to him and say, man, should I ask him? I've asked so much of him lately. Who am I to deserve anything? And a demon from hell looks at him and says, don't just cast me out. Cast me into those. And he says, you got your wish. So when scripture says that he attends to every sparrow that falleth, and when he talks about consider the lilies, I'm going to tell you something. You're no different than any of those. You're no different than the demon that will look at him and say, I'm going to tell you something. I don't just want to be cast somewhere. Put me over there. When you come to the house of God, you can come to this altar and you can ask anything of him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, and he is faithful to give us the desire of our heart if it lines up with his gospel. If he'll do it for them, won't he do it for one of his children? As the musicians come, when Jesus comes to visit, can I tell you that all demons are going to flee? When Jesus comes to visit, all disease and sickness has to go. When Jesus comes to visit, joy replaces sadness. And when Jesus comes to visit, sorrow takes a back seat to rejoicing. When Jesus comes to visit, love replaces hate. And when Jesus comes to visit, the sinner is forgiven. When Jesus comes to visit, the dead is given life. And when Jesus comes to visit, I want to be right there. I want to be right there. I know a miracle is on its way. So you see from Scripture when he showed up on the scenes, he didn't leave the place the same way. Such a different connotation, I guess, when he was in Simon, Simon's house. He walks in and he's at meet with a bunch of people. And a woman broke in. And her only thought was, I've got to see Jesus. She walks behind him, doesn't even dare to look at who he is. She breaks an alabaster box on his feet and begins to wash. That came from a deep desire to have a visitation with the master. As we stand this morning... I heard a story many years ago. A man had been faithful to a church for many, many years. He'd had some difficulties in his health, and he went to the hospital, and he was admitted. One day the pastor came by, and he said, Hey, brother, 
been a while since I've seen you. And looks like you're getting better. He goes, yeah, Pastor. He goes, things are getting much better. And he said, I, I can't wait to come back to the house of God. And as chance would have it, he got out and went home. And he got busy doing whatever he was doing, trying to read and started allowing some things into his life and he wasn't coming to the house of God and the pastor would come by and they would take what was in the front room and hide it in the closet somewhere. The pastor kept coming by and one day the man just left his television sitting there and didn't even try to hide. And he told the pastor, I don't need to come to church anymore. I still watch what I need on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm getting what I need. pastor was grieved and back to his office and he began to pray and fast for this man. A couple weeks go by and the man shows up at the church and he walks up and pastors out just kind of walking the property and he's going to talk to you for a minute and he says yes let's, let's go in my office. He said I just came by to tell you goodbye. The pastor said oh yeah, he says, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed my time here, but I really don't feel like I need this anymore. And the pastor tried to talk to him a little bit, and it just wasn't going anywhere. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. He goes, we've had a great relationship. We've been friends. He said, our kids have grown up together. He said, can you do something for me? He said, anything you ask. He said, and I want you to walk into the sanctuary, and I want you to tell God goodbye. He said, I'll do that. And he walked into the door of the church and he looked to the right. There was a nursery. And memories began to flood his mind about his children when they were younger and needed to be taken care of and go into the nursery. And he looked to the left and there was a place where the greeter stood and shook hands of everybody who came through the door and he remembered that, and he remembered when him and his wife did that, that very thing. They were the greeters. And he walks a little further, and there's two doors that enter into the sanctuary, and he stepped to the sanctuary, and to the right is the seat where he sat as an usher. He would enjoy the presence of God, and he would take up the offering and do what was asked of him. He walked farther up and he looked and there was the pew where his wife and children sat when they were younger and worshipped God. And all of these memories went through his mind over and over. And he got to the front rows and that's where my girls sat and that's where my son sat. And he stepped into the altar area. And as one would talk to a friend, he said, God, I came by to say goodbye. And all the memories began to flood his heart, his mind. And he said, but before I say goodbye, I want to thank you. A couple hours later, the pastor steps out of his office and opens the door to a man weeping in the presence of God. It was a visitation. I came by to say goodbye, God, but before I do, there's some things that we need to talk about. 
So I ask you today, are there some things that you have? You have requests that you have of God. And I tell you, all you've got to do is come down to an altar. Say, God, I, I've, I've got a request. And if you'll listen to a demon from hell and put him where he wanted to be, and if you'll attend the funeral of every sparrow that falls from the sky, and if, if you really do consider the lily that just grows in the valley, I'm one of your children. I'm asking that you consider me today. I come with a heart full of love and thanksgiving for what you've done, but I'm, I'm asking that you heal my aunt or my uncle or my, my sister or my wife. I'm asking that you save my, my loved ones that have walked away from you. And I tell you today that when Jesus comes to visit, anything is possible. Nothing is impossible with him. <coughs> Amen. Let's worship him today. Let's thank him for a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Let's thank him for a visitation of his spirit. God, we thank you and praise you today. We magnify your name. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the rush of angels' wings. I see